Welcome to episode nine of Bush's Board Game Thing. Uh, with me, Andy Bush, we've got Brian over there. All right. We've got Jess over there. Hi. We're all chatting on video because of what's going on at the moment. In fact, I would say a bulk of our of our of this run, this first season of the podcast has been us staring at each other through videos. We've got no idea what each other's bottom halves look like. That's one of the problems with what's... I actually currently, don't want to know. Currently, I'm wearing nothing underneath oh. my waist. <laughs> as, as the industry phrase goes, I'm Donald Ducking it. Donald <laughs> Ducking it. So let's get into it this week. Uh, episode 9 of Board Game Thing, powered by Zato, is all about games to do with history. Uh, can you learn about history through playing a board game? That kind of thing. I'm going to be honest with you right now and say that all of my history that I'm into is through board games. I'll buy a board game, then I'll buy a book about that era, and then I'll listen to an online lecture... Uh, or something like that. So that's my whole process. Does that colour your your enjoyment and how you uh, convey the fact of that history to other people? So do you say, of course, Julius Caesar, he rolled a six, then got stabbed to death. It does, it does cross over <laughs> at some point. You don't... He, had an event, he had an event card. It didn't go card. well for him. It's weird, though, because I, I wasn't into... Were you into history at school? I was re- I just bored me the whole way through. Hated it, hated it, hated it. And... I don't know whether it's just an age thing, but I've got right into history now, and I love picking up a game on like a. I like weird bits of history, like a game I'm playing a lot at the moment, which is going to sound really weird. It's called Target for Tonight, which is a game about. It's it's a one player game, but it's a game about uh, the nighttime raids in Lancaster bombers over Germany during the Second World War, and it's all based on the real history, like how the boredom that they would have had and their their, their chances of uh, getting shot down and everything was just... Or, their chances of getting shot down were awful. Or their, their I, survival rates, unbel- what they got, the, the fact that they got into those planes on behalf of our country is unbelievable. When I was that age, if, they, if you said to me, like, oh, by the way, you're going to have to go over and fly nighttime raids over Berlin and there's a, there's a strong possibility you won't come back, I would be a blubbering mess. They, just, <laughs> they would like, yeah, let's yeah, just fine. do it. Let's let's just mean, and it. they would mm-hmm. be lying there, it would be absolutely freezing. Uh, the worst thing was that it, it was all... It was all based on the kind of the, the past, you know, the moon sequence of the moon or whatever. And obviously, they're perfect for them is full moon, but also that means that everyone down on the ground who's got like a massive machine gun can see you as well. So, again, that's a bit of history that I had no idea about, but uh, suddenly has opened the door to me by playing the game of it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but the thing, let's just kick the conversation off with um, uh, a thing that we put on Instagram a couple of days ago at Board Game Thing. If you want to get in touch, we asked this question, right? Is there like a weird bit of history from your school days that you've still got in your head that could make the subject of a good historical board game? Because one thing that sells board games, I think, is, is an unusual bit of history that no one's really looked at before. So is there like, have you got a bit of your school days that's still in your head, like board game, uh, history-wise, that you think might make a good board game, guys? Can I just say, this is I've been looking forward to this episode because this is my time to shine. I don't know if you guys know this. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it to you guys before, but I've actually got a history degree. I've got a 2-2, BA ons. 2-2, BA ons from the University of Reading, that powerhouse of historical I, of I remember when I was getting my degree that you started off with the people who got firsts came up and got it at the beginning and then it, and then yeah. they slowly went through the ranks so you would have been on what an hour or two in is that I right? would have been Douglas Hurd who handed out the, the gongs at our, really? my ceremony yeah yeah he uh, he recalled me about about two hours into the proceedings look a lot of people say Reading University is mainly for agriculture <laughs> and and they would be right they would be they would be absolutely right <laughs> they but they also right. had a great history department which I learned a lot from so is it like a, have you still got a bit in your head then you thought oh they forgot, I would have forgotten this by now but it's still there so the thing that I, the weird lesson, the weird thing that I always remember from, from school was the Field of the Cloth of Gold. <laughs> what? Does anyone know what the Field of the Cloth of Gold was? It sounds like no. a manga, manga cartoon. 
it sounds does, like a film. It? And it was basically when uh, Henry the Henry the Eighth yeah. went over to France and he met uh, Francis the First of France. Good name. Yeah, wicked. And it was like it, it was like them meeting up and just having a chat. And it was and but for some reason it was that we did about four weeks of it in our history lesson. Right. And to this day, I can't tell you what happened and what the consequences of it were. I just remember the phrase, the field of the cloth of gold. And it was because Henry uh, spent loads of money making really ornate tents. Is that what he did? He went over there and, and blew all his cash on tents. Yeah, it was basically like, uh, you know, uh, MLM, multi-level marketing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Essentially, yeah. They're a bit like, well, they're not skincare, pyramid schemes. Skincare they're products not, and stuff. They're not pyramid schemes, but they have some of the uh, attributes of, uh, of uh, pyramid schemes. He was like faking it to make it over there. Was he? he was like, lads, if we spend a load of money over there and we make out that we've got loads of cash and we look really good and we've got loads of gold, yeah. then maybe he won't invade us. And I think that was the, the crux of it. That'd make, a good, that'd make a good game. That would make a good ball game. There's a lot of trouble actually involved in going over and... Because wasn't the whole 1066 thing all kicked off by whatever was said across in France when they were... You made a deal. You know, that deals when... Because you can't record it on your on your, your mobile phone back in them days, could you? Do you know what I mean? So if you had a deal, it's someone's word, wasn't it? You're going to be the next king. Well, I never said that, etc. So the story, story with that was he got... Uh, Harold Godwinson got shipwrecked in uh, in France. He went over there Duke, to make tents. Yeah, tents. tents. And the Duke of Normandy like said, look... I should really capture you and like hold you prisoner, but I'll let you go if you promise to support my claim to the English throne. And yeah. he was like, yeah, absolutely, sure, mate. mate. Absolutely. Yeah. No worries at all. Can I go now? Then he went, and then when Edward the Confessor died, he made himself king, and then uh, William the Conqueror came over, which is a good name because he did end up conquering he did. England. Stranger, isn't it? Prophetic fallacy. Is that what it's called? Or was it a nom- nominative, nominative determinism? determinism. Just a bit of your school days that's stuck in your head that might make a good board game. Can you remember sp- mm, any history lessons? I don't. Not not quite school days, but I think maybe media. I am obsessed with the Titanic. Wow! Like, I, I saw am, I saw a tweet from you the other day saying oh, bit, late, bit late to the game, but has anyone has anyone got any recommendations oh. for a behind the scenes documentary of Titanic? Honestly, <laughs> I got. I got really drunk like a year and a half ago on my own. Yeah. That's normal, whatever. And I just thought, <laughs> oh, I fancy, I fancy a good cry. I fancy so I a four-hour th- film four where hour. everyone knows the ending of it. Yeah. But just the, the Titanic's amazing. Like, the history behind the Titanic is amazing. And I'm hoping COVID, hoping that COVID goes. And That's then it, I'm 30. I'm 30 next year and I'm dying to go to the Titanic Museum in Belfast. Yeah, it's supposed just, to be brilliant. I'm fascinated by it. Like all this, all the stuff. Like um, there was a ship really nearby when they did their distress calls, but they just yeah. didn't get back to them in time. So every like, I think the thing I like about history is these little tiny things that happen that completely change the course of things that people don't really know about. There, there is, I believe, there is a Titanic board game. There's a board game about trying to evacuate people off the Titanic. Uh, I'm is sure there? our amazing listeners will be able to clarify this, but I'm pretty sure there is. So that might be something to to check out. Uh, down the line a little bit as well. I mean, I'd be absolutely wicked at it because I know there wasn't enough lifeboats on that. They have the conversation. like There was not enough lifeboats on that Titanic. Why was it allowed to set sail? I cannot get point. it through my head. I know it's 1912, but for God's sake. No, no, it's still it's still something worth, uh, you know, having a word about. Uh, two things I really want to tell you about the Titanic. Go on. Right? N- number one was after it happened, the Belfast shipmakers, they said it was fine when it... They literally said... <laughs> It was fine when it left here. 
It was, to be fair. They it can't was, to be say fair. that. It's fine it left it's fine it. it. No, you've gone in the guts of that, mate. You've opened up the guts and you've had to play around, so your warranty's not valid. <laughs> Secondly, does anyone remember the 100-year... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you can call it celebrations, but the 100-year anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic? No, no. It no. was in 2012, and do you know what they did for it? And I swear to God, Aww. please get in touch if you think if I've imagined this. I'm almost certain that the Rizzle Kicks <laughs> did a concert on the slipway from the Belfast shipyard oh where the Titanic God. left. Oh my, it's what they would have wanted. It's what they would have wanted. Bush's board game thing. At board game thing, to clarify that, actually one other weird bit of intel to throw in there about the Titanic, we used to own an old people's home when I was a kid, right? And we had like 12 old, it was all old ladies. Uh, one of the old ladies, Mrs. Tully, had a mm-hmm. return ticket for the Titanic <gasps> to come back over from America and obviously it never got there. So her and her oh family, how God. weird is that? Pretty she sold crazy. it. She, she sold it. I, I think she, she kept hold of it. Money for, she kept she could get a lot of money for that in like auction or something like that. But yeah, I'm a, also I'm obsessed with the making of the film, but that is just a whole other thing. But I just think it's fascinating. But not school-wise, not really. Do you want to know why I think I didn't really like history at school? Because they teach you all the boring stuff. I want to know... I want to know the dirty stuff, the bad stuff. The fields like of gold. The, the crazy stuff. Like I don't want to know about like oh, the gunpowder plot. Tell oh. me the good stuff. I know the gunpowder plot was a bad example, but you know what I mean? I want to know. That was quite an the... exciting one, that, Jess, the gunpowder Yeah, plot, yeah, it's it? a bad example. But like, I want to know the grim details. I think that's why when you're older, <laughs> you get into history a bit more because you can do your own research. You haven't yeah. got a teacher going, oh, no, we can't say that or anything. I think it's mandatory. If you get to 50, you have to research your own family tree. I think you actually have to do that. That's how it works. Uh, on at board game thing, any stuff coming in on the wires, uh, our dear listeners have been saying would be great board games made out of history from the past in uh, from the schoolroom. Isambard Kingdom Brunel, who invented a machine to remove a coin stuck in his own windpipe. So he, I googled this. So he was doing a magic trick. What? And it, and it got stuck in there. And he invented a machine to get it out. Isambard Kingdom Brunel, who who built the Clifton Suspension Bridge in Bristol, where where I spent a number of years, he also invented a machine that sucked coins out of people's throats. According to Stuart and according to the very, very quick Google search that I did, yes. Do you know what? There is an amazing board game called Tricarian, which is you are uh, rival magicians trying to put on the most elaborate trick in front of a, a big audience. So maybe that, maybe there's an Isambard King of the Brunel expansion where you can try and suck a coin out your own gob. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> wow, I never knew that. Well, that's great. Brian, any others? Uh, Colin says, um, <clears throat> uh, on a field trip to Bumare Castle, we had to measure the angle of fire from every one of the 164 arrow slits and put them on a diagram to see where any weaknesses were. Very tedious, took ages, but I'm sure it could contribute to a game of some kind. I would love that. I'd love some sort of castle defend and attack siege. Is there any siege games out there? Because I love a good siege. Castle Panic is one for kids as well. It's one of the best uh, castle siege games out there. I'm sure it might slightly uh, make it a little bit dry if you've got to measure the angle of attack for, of a trebuchet, but you never yeah. know. I like the sound of this game. What I want to know is, can you poison the well? Because that always happens in sieges. People are always poisoning wells and throwing dead sheep over the battlements. I'd love to do that. I'd, mainly one of the reasons why I'd love to be alive in medieval times. Throw a dead sheep over a wall. Uh, Chris says, uh, crop rotation in the 14th century, not because I paid attention to Mrs. Ranyard in geography, but because of Rick from The Young Ones. Oh, I remember right. I remember that. I remember them going on about crop... He, he did a joke about writing an essay about crop rotation in the 14th century. 
Would that be a good game? It would no. be a bit dry, wouldn't it? But you, you can imagine ro- it'd be like like Farmville. Farmville oh, is essentially hold on. rotation. Guys, what mm. did we play a couple of weeks ago? We played Takanoko, right? With a big massive flipping panda. What are we mm. doing with irrigating crops, rice paddy fields? It's essentially crop rotation. Yeah, and We've done well, it. I mean I mean I think you can tell by the episode that we were a bit meh on we're the bit, game. Yeah. Bit meh on the game. Um, Andrew Kenning says the defenestration of Prague. What this is, another, is that? This is another oh classic God. one. For, I remember this. And everyone was like, we're going to do the defenestration of Prague next week in history. Defenestration of Prague. What is it? We, we didn't know what it, want, what, it, what it was or what it meant. But I know that defenestration means breaking of glasses in a building. <laughs> so if I go into a building and I break all the glass, that's a defenestration, I believe. Why would you do that, though? Why would you... I think it was something to do about destroying icons. I don't know. But I'd love a window smashing game, oh but it'd be hard to put oh, together yeah. and take apart. How good game, would that yeah. be, though? I think you can pay good money to go to a, like a room and smash a load of furniture up. I would absolutely love to do that. You can. The Kardashians did it. You can go in a warehouse and just smash stuff up with goggles on. Got one last one here from Alex. Uh, he says, John Churchill, who was a World War II soldier, who was, who was see, I know about this guy as well, vaguely. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the good thing about the Second War is there's loads of amazing different characters that are in different theatres of war there. So John Churchill was a soldier who was uh, distantly related to Winston Churchill and the Churchill family, who was, of course, from the Duke of from the Duke of Marlborough family. Oh, right. Yeah, Blenheim Palace, that's where Winston Churchill was born. I oh, didn't even know that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, mate, that 2-2 from Reading oh. University, mate. It's not just about the agriculture, it's about the history. So John <laughs> Churchill, John Churchill, yeah. And he was he was a soldier who uh, marched into battle, uh, and he marched onto, uh, on the beaches of D-Day with a bow, <laughs> an old-fashioned English um, longbow, Wicked. a sword, and played bagpipes. Wow, what, what? a guy. Imagine that if... If you're a German in a pillbox there, you're absolutely freaking <laughs> you out. absolutely poo yourself. Um, uh, and Alex uh, added this thing about him, which I didn't know. After the war, because uh, he... After the war, obviously, people went back to Civvy Street and they did jobs. And after the war, he used to... He used to go to work and have his bag or his suitcase or his, like, briefcase. Yeah. And the train passed his house, right, on the way back. And it happens to a lot of people. You pass your sort of house and you get off the station. It's really frustrating. But every day he used to open the window and he used to chuck the briefcase out into his back garden. Amazing. So he didn't so he didn't have to carry it back from the station. That is brilliant. They don't brilliant. make him like that anymore. They literally don't make And them. that's why we won the war. That is that's in a nutshell why we won the war. Any other suggestions on this, we'd love to hear from you at board game thing to get involved. Uh, some other great games that are uh, out and about at the moment. Uh, these are some of my personal favorites. You can find them on the Zatu website as well. I just mentioned Target for tonight so you can see what it was like uh, being holed up in a freezing cold Lancaster bomber in the night sky over Berlin. That's made by Legion Games. Uh, the, the the board game that started my interest properly in getting involved in some of the more uh, complicated games are the coin series by GMT games that's not coin games as in heads or tails coin stands for counterinsurgency so they've gone back and looked at um, uh, all the big kind of counterinsurgency moments like for example the uh, Cuban revolution there's one called Cuba Libra which is really good or the war in Vietnam which is fantastic made by Volker Runke uh, Hellenica another good one by Mr B games which is about the the history of 
I don't know, what would you call it? What's the Clash of the Titans kind of era? That kind of... The Peloponnesian Wars? That kind of thing. All that kind of stuff. Pax Pamir is another great one. The second edition by Whirligig Games, which is all about the great game, the uh, uh, Russia and Great Britain trying to get involved in Afghanistan and coming a cropper. It's very hard to get, but an amazing game. Uh, Sekigahara, which is about the giant samurai battle where loads of people changed uh, sides at the very last minute. That's made by GMT Games. It's blocks and cards, and it's a thing of beauty. Uh, and finally, the... Uh, uh, Great Statesman series, by again by GMT Games. Uh, Pericles, which is about the Peloponnesian War. Uh, Versailles, which is about the Treaty of Versailles. You, you play one of the leaders and you've got to like, bargain with each other. And we mentioned John Churchill earlier on. as a fantastic game by Mark Herman called Churchill, which is you versus Stalin and FDR in a room trying to negotiate the and end of the war. And you have to throw your briefcase into your back garden off the back of a train. That's it, the final bit. Who can hoy their briefcase into the back garden? Have a look out for them now. Uh, you can get a lot of them on the Zatu website. So, Jess, we thought this is the right point uh, in the podcast to bring this up. Sorry, sorry. Brian and I went rogue and we kind of met up online to have a lads night and play our own board game not involving you. I do apologise. Yeah, just, I don't know. It was just, we couldn't be ourselves. You know, know, you've got got pigtails and you, I don't know. It was just... The lads stuff, do you know what I mean? Sorry, sorry. why, Why would you do that to me? Were we meant to be a team and you two go off on your own behind my back and you tell me during a podcast recording? That's a good point. We should have told you before. Telling you now is really God. quite bad. And you've had quite a lot of red wine from that Carlsberg pint glass that you nicked from the pub around the corner. How many? I can't see her on the Zoom chat. How many has she had since we started? Four or five, I think. Four or five. Oh, She's drinking Christ. it. You know the way uh, a... a Really thirsty builder who's gone for a half a lunchtime pint might drink. That's how she's been necking it. Oh, he does that teeth. thing where he's been necking it. Yeah. And you can see the t- oh, like that. Yeah. But um, we we please please be fine with this. Do you know what? I'm going to be all right with it. Just so we, this podcast is bearable. But Thank just you. You, so you know, when I hang up this Zoom call, yeah, you're both getting it in the you're ear, like- right? Angie Watts from uh, EastEnders just uh, putting on a brave face for the kids on Christmas Day despite what's happened with Dirty Den. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we, we met up online to play the very famous Twilight Struggle. And if you're an absolute massive nerd like me, Twilight Struggle by GMT Games is about the, uh, the, the game of chess across the whole of the world that took place between uh, America and the Russians uh, during the Cold War. Uh, it's rated, I think it's like rated number one in all of the games in on Board Game Geek, the website. So this game's got a huge, super high rating. And we played online. And Brian, um, you kind of started World War Three within the first well, turn of the game, which is very unheard of. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I mean, I thought the original Cold War was all about move, counter move, yeah. shadow games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You try and turn one of them. I thought, why not bring it out, the, why not bring it out in the open? Why not turn this Cold War... <laughs> Into a hot war. Have a listen. This is what happened. So let me just say again then, as, as, as representing the Russian player, um, what are you wearing? Because you're, you're Russia, I'm America, this is the Cold War. Yep. I'm, a, I'm a general. And what I like about the Russians is they're those massive peaked hats. You know, they're huge, huge massive. hats. American generals, they had like normal hats, but the Russians almost like it was like a one-upmanship. They had the huge peaked hats. I don't know what's inside them. They must keep like a teapot in there or something. I think I'm called like something Schwarzberger. So I'm some kind of Storm in Norman type general because obviously I'm re- representing the West. But it's someone who, if the, someone buzzes the flight tower, they just drop a bit of their tea and get absolutely fuming, smoking a cigar. That's what I'm like. What was a cooler name? The Warsaw Pact or NATO? I like the Warsaw Pact. Like a band of brothers. Yeah, it sounds like they've all got together and they've all sort of done that thing where you do, you know, the Blood Brothers thing where you, you slice the palm of your hand and, hand and you, you rub it together. Like a bunch of jazz musicians or something like that. Rat Pack or something like that. 
Warsaw what NATO Pact. stands for? North Atlantic Treaty Organisation. Well done, well done. Just hovering over Indonesia, you know um, the CIA. What, the reason why I quite like the CIA is they got up, they got up to what you described earlier as shenanigans. Shenanigans. And you know what they once did to discredit the Indonesian president who was flirting with uh, communists at the time. They oh. made a they made a porno. <laughs> they made a porno <laughs> with a lookalike of his, where with the hat that he sort of wore. And they distributed it around Indonesia, which I sort of admire. Do you know, do you know what? It's so weird you should say that because I was thinking on the train the other day about I was about trying pornos, yeah, of course, yeah. About no, 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 about like new ideas for board games. I'd love to create a board game at some point, right? A porno board game, right? No, not not a porno. <laughs> not a porno. Actually, that's not a bad idea. But there's so many. There's such a rich history of of ridiculous assassination attempts and stuff by people like the FBI, like, you know, they, they put um, gunpowder in the end of Fidel Castro's cigar that they wanted to blow his head off when he was smoking a cigar and all these, some ridiculous, you know, there's so many ridiculous things, like who can come up with the best ridiculous assassination attempt or something, I don't know. I'm trying to coup in, in Israel. Stop trying to coup everywhere, just cooing non-stop. Oh, I failed. Did that failed thing where I've, I've tried to surround the palace and I've been, I've been shot and hung up from a, a lamppost. <laughs> Have a go hero, military leader. See what you don't get anymore. I miss a good defection. What you mean when people go from like one side and join the other and get met at the yeah. airport by I always, that triumphant side? I always side. think about like, you know when people would defect like, and it would be like a, a, a physicist or it would be like a, a really good cello player or whatever. I wonder if there was any like people that, that defected that were just like plumbers or <laughs> estate agents. <laughs> and they were like, all yeah. the defect, they're like, ah, oh, no, you're right, mate. It's fine. Just, you probably right. just better go back home. It's fine. It's fine. But, I don't, I don't think you like it over here. We've got quite a few of your lot. I mean, look, no, come over if you want, but... Do you want me to do a coup in Iraq? I'm taking me and my mates and the boys over. We're doing a coup in Iraq. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, mate. Failed. I got hung up by a tree. You know your bloke who got hung up by a tree <laughs> earlier on? I've just been hung up by a tree. Been dragged out from a storm drain. Truman doctrine. You know Harry Truman was Harry S. Truman. Just knocked you out of Romania, mate. Yeah. What? Sorry about that. Do you know yeah. what the S, you know what the S stood for? Simon. Uh, no, it stood for nothing. It stood for nothing, because he thought it, it, he'd sound more distinguished if he had a middle name. Because he didn't have a middle name, so he just he just added the S. I quite like the idea of being. You know, people who are like S Hunter Jenkins, or makes you sound quite distinguished. Do you know what I mean? That maybe I might move around my name a little bit. Yeah, but but unfortunately, a, your your middle name is Les quite. I mean, do you want to reveal to the podcast listeners what your middle Leslie. name is? Leslie. Leslie. My mum and dad, right, I was born at home, I was born in a lounge in Liverpool and the midwife that came to check that my mum was alright was called Leslie and my mum and dad were so enamoured with her performance that they named me after her. She so, must have done a cracking job. Well she wasn't even there for most of it, that's, that's the thing isn't it? Uh, every school I've been to, once they found out that I'm my middle name's Leslie, they're just, it's just murder. And do you murder. know what? Rightly so as well. I'm sorry. Fair, no, it's fair play. Absolutely fair play. You know, and I just feel, I always say to Katie, my other half, imagine if I was called Les. Imagine the language of how her friends would talk about. It's, it's Kate, Katie and Les. What time is Les? Where's you're, Les? He's... You're okay because your name is Andy, which is a universal everyman name. It's, that's, that's, if you were called an Andy in 1935, is the same as being in 2020. That's, that's an evergreen Thank name. You. Les, obviously not, but it's not just, well, is it? spare a thought for me. I'm called Brian. My <laughs> wife actually said when she first started getting out of me, she, she actually thought, she was like, oh, I'm not sure I can deal with him being called Brian. He's a lovely guy, but I don't know. The Brian, no, I'm not sure about it. Isn't that bad though, isn't it? That, that your name, that you've just got nothing to do with you, it's not your fault at all, could affect someone else's judgment as to whether they want to spend the rest of their life with you. I know. Just on your name alone. 
my parents were going to call me Pierce, as in Pierce Brosnan. And had had uh, they stuck with that and had my first name as Pierce, I'd have been 13 around about the time that Pierce Brosnan became Bond. I'd, I'd, have, had the oh, coolest, wow, I'd have had the coolest name in school. I think I'd probably be a footballer or a male model now had, this is it. had the name Pierce. Are you banned nuclear testing? Come on, mate. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of this, all this nuclear stuff. That's fun. That's the funnest part of the Cold War, all the nuclear testing. I'm down the front with Swampy, chaining myself to uh, Hinkley Point. That's it. Yep. I'm down at Hinkley Point, chained to the railings. I'll do space race, mate. Space race. Failure. Absolutely. Burn up on the launch pad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do some space race. You may have mocked up the space race. I'm going to do some space race. You know, like... The Americans and the Russians, they, they oh, sent up like monkeys and stuff like before they sent humans. And they didn't bring them down, they just left them up there. So there's monkey skeletons orbiting the Earth right now. Well, maybe they've been, you know, maybe the monkeys met with alien races, they thought that's us. Maybe they must have given them a terrible view of us, if it's monkeys. They were like, Jesus, how's this guy, how have they broken orbit? They can, they're just flinging their own shit about. <laughs> have they managed to build rockets? This is insane. No, let's just stay away from this planet. Triumph over the sun. So, Brian, you have caused nuclear war within the second turn of Twilight Struggle, which, uh, in the times that I've played this board game, that's an incredible uh, achievement to have managed to do that. Do you know what they say? very belligerent, very belligerent. Go big or go home, that's what I say. I regret nothing. I regret absolutely nothing. What a way way to go out. I've never seen that happen before. So if if you... it's very difficult to move the DEFCON level. Are you aware of the DEFCON level, Jess, where you get closer to nuclear war? No. No idea. Uh, he moved the <laughs> DEFCON level right to nuclear war in the first term, which is an unbelievable thing. Brian dealt with the conflict between America and Russia in that game. Like, do you know in, uh, do you remember in Train Spotting where um, mm-hmm. Begbie finishes his pint and then throws it over the top of his head and goes yeah. downstairs for a dust up? That's what <laughs> Brian was like. Pub rules, pub rules, mate. That's what it was. I do, I do worry for you as being a, a world leader. Does that, do you worry that you're you would be quite a belligerent, bad world leader? No, I just think I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's a pub bore and goes, you know, what, what, you, get, what you get with me is what you see is what face you get, value, mate. mate. It's face value. I might say something to you. I'm, you may not like it, but at least I'm telling the truth. And those guys are always just terrible at that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I would be awful at diplomacy. If they sent me a now to the EU negotiations, we would get... <laughs> is, is there an option worse than no deal? Is there, like, just a sub-deal? <laughs> World War Three again. That's what would happen. But I tell you what, have a, have a look out for it. It's on Zatu's website now. Twilight Struggle, uh, particularly if you're going into Christmas and you, maybe it's like you and your other half and you want to play a game that's like chess and it's got some brilliant little cards. Again, talking about learning through history, the cards in the game have got these brilliant little moments, like weird things that happen between uh, uh, America and the Eastern Bloc. There's something about the Eastern Bloc though. Even just replaying that game, I, I, would you either of you guys like? Like to live during that era. I, I, there's something quite, you know, uh, simple and uh, old school and quite cool. You know, like if you watch Chernobyl, the the brilliant mm. Sky Atlantic series. There's something about that old school Baltic Sea Russia that uh, looks quite cool. Like drinking a shot of vodka and not having that many possessions, but having a simple life and enjoying it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're really selling it to me, mate. Dr- drinking <laughs> yeah. drinking shots of neat vodka and not having any possessions. Yeah, I love it, mate. I really want to get involved. There was a computer game that I was obsessed with uh, about five ten years ago called Omsi. OMSI, which is a, a bus simulator, PC game, right? Oh, into that. That's my kind of game. Again, you're selling it to me, mate. You're Hear me out on me. this, right? It was a game based on driving a bus during the early 80s in pre-the Berlin Wall coming down, eastern Germany. 
Right, how do they get... I, I'm sure it's, it's great. Unbelievable. What I want to know is how they get these games made. You walk into Rockstar Games and you go, got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> hear, hear me out. You're a bus driver. That's not all. That's not all. You're a bus driver in early 80s, the Eastern Bloc. Okay. People love it though. It, it's gone down. It, it, people absolutely loved it. There's something really calming, and I think these these simulation games have really tapped into that. But there's something calming about being, you know, sat in traffic on a cold winter's morning at like six thirty a.m. and then loads of kind of stern-faced Eastern Bloc Germans asking you to turn the heater up because it's cold in the bus. What do you have to do in the game? Just complete your bus route on time. That's oh, it. That is I love those it. kind of games, stuff like that. I really Simple like Crazy life. Taxi as well, just picking up people and taking them to their destination. I'm, it's very, very chilled. This is it. This is the future, man. So, yeah, there's something kind of quite comforting about the Eastern Bloc. Well, without further ado, uh, let's put the Eastern Bloc to one side and warm our cockles as we head towards Christmas with Brian's Board Game Fact of the Week. Brian's Board Game Fact of the Week. Uh, OK, so it's history episode so we have historical facts about board games what do you think the oldest board game in the world is oh we've done this the, the game of life isn't it board no 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 older chess. than that go back further oh, it's gotta be chess uh, it's older checkers, checkers. Older. checkers. older dominoes it's, no dominoes. no it's a game called it sounds like a medicine that you give to old people to get their joints going again it's called senet s-e-n-e-t it's from do you know Senate? Well, only, only because uh, an article I've written for Senate magazine is about to come out uh, next month. Oh. I've written oh, is, a mag- it, I've, is it called Senate? It's called Senate. I don't know. I'm not too sure. The, I've never known what the name S- is about. S-E-N-E-T. It's a brilliant board gaming magazine with loads of gorgeous pictures and brilliantly done by a guy called Dan Jolin. And uh, I didn't know where the name came from before. Well, so Senate is broadly agreed to be the first ever board game. Well, I never okay. knew that. How do yeah. you play? What is it? Well, this is the thing. This is the beauty of it. No one knows because oh. it's so bloody old. I love that. I love no, that. No one's they... written anything about it. Nothing. Where are well, the rules? Where are the instructions? Can you get a PDF of them? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it's in hieroglyphics. Um, oh. So Damn. Uh, Damn. it's from it's from about three thousand one hundred BC. Right. Yeah. What? Again, showing my history chops here. That's yeah, before right. Christ. Before Christ. Two two. Two two. Um, and they found it when they so people modern scholars found it. Right. When they were going through old Egyptian hieroglyphics and people had written about it, they referred to this game. And they found, they've got sets of it. And basically, if you imagine a little cigar box right. that is rectangular, it's got three rows of ten, a bit like chess, and certain pieces on it. Apparently, you had to throw twigs to, to turn out the roll. Different times back then. Not, not dissimilar to chess. And you had to, they think, make it to the afterlife. Oh wow! And I wasn't expecting that at the end. Well, this is a, how how bizarre though that this this piece that I've written for the brilliant Senate magazine out in January uh, is about the the panic of explaining the rules of a board game. And there's me all the while not realising that the actual name of the, the the publication is about a board game that no one can explain the rules for. I bet you I bet you cats are involved in it probably because they love cats and they Egyptians. Yeah, probably uh, yeah, wrapping stuff up. There's probably a mummy card. Yeah, um, pyramids. Pyramids, blokes with eagles for heads. Did I hear as well that if you put um, if you put food inside a pyramid, it stays fresh for longer, or is that a completely made up thing down the pub? Isn't there a weird thing if you put something inside a pyramid? I'm sure it does something. Well, they preserved all those mummies. That's a good bit. No, ah, yeah. there you go. Well, yeah, they preserved the mummies by by taking out all their organs through their nose. Oh, and then sort why of why pick, would you do that? It's literally them. the smallest hole. Just pick another hole. Pick a different. Uh, would you rather have it pulled out through your? <laughs> oh, that'd be awful. What a way! What a way to end up. Uh, 
here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Jess, Andy, if you work for me, right, I and mean, I'm an Egyptian, and I'm an Egyptian uh, pharaoh or a high-ranking member of Egyptian society, right? I'm feeling a bit sick. Oh, I'm probably dying. Guess what? You guys are coming with me. They used to, they would they would embalm their uh, their servants. They'd go with them to the afterlife and their pets. Would we have our um, uh, brains yeah, pulled out for a while? Done. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. Gosh, Is that kind awful. of nice in a way? We're all not in really. it together, well, not, you know. Not, not for the servants. Come on, guys. Come along. We're all in this together. Mm. Now nah, I'm right. Thanks, mate. I got a job offer from some other pharaoh. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Farrow down the road. Brian, that's an excellent board game fact. Thank you very much. One other thing I just wanted to ask you guys about history and that is... Uh, you got a history question? So, no, don't you dare Did bring mention up that. I've got a 2-2 two, two in history, mate? If you could, if, imagine if you had a time machine, right? I think about this quite a lot. If you had mm. a time machine and you could go back to any era of history and oh, live yeah. there, but just because of the clothes, what would it be and why? Um, oh, I mean, mine's yes, going to be really basic. And you can probably guess what it is. Go on, go on, Jay. Elizabethan times, I reckon. No, the oh, 20s. No, no. Titanic. The 20s. I want to be in the cute little dresses. Be a flapper. You know, like the, yeah, I want to be a flapper. And also, like, being dead cool and, like, going to bars because of prohibition, like, sneaking into basement bars and smoking fags <laughs> smoking and just fags. snogging loads of boys. Like, that. that's who I, that's what I do now. But at least it would have been better Quite a lot of Nazis. Fags, Quite a lot of Nazis around that time, Jess. But you know just, what? Just, I, just, I feel oh, yeah. like, I feel like I could just vibe it and stay away from them and um, I think it'd be alright I'd, I'd definitely say to my mates that I didn't like them obviously I wouldn't say it out loud because they'd probably you know but um, but I'd, I'd try to you know do my best would you uh, it sounds to me in many ways uh, Jess that you'd be a gangster's mole would you like to be a gangster's mole yeah. Yeah? Oh, I fair I'd enough. I love that. Also, like, I love the Great Gatsby as well. I just want to go to those parties. Do you know what I mean? Turn I think the whole the Titanic thing is all just fitting together here with Jess. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, some people have come in on this uh, on our Instagram. Nicola McGarvey says, Medieval era for me for the excellent pointy hats. Mm. Uh, many current day uses such as poking people's armpits on the tube and shoplifting tall stuff. Thank you for that, Nicola. <laughs> uh, Red Roger says you can actually catch the ferry to the Isle of Wight and travel back to the 90s anytime you like. Oh, oh, I've been on holiday so many times <laughs> to the Isle of Wight and it is stuck in the 90s. Yes. Uh, Jason says, uh, probably Tudor, so I could wear one of those massive armoured cod pieces. Yes, that's yes. right. The Tudors literally invented cod pieces to make themselves look cool What's to that? the ladies. You know, you ever, just type, just look up cod piece on Google. Is it rude? No, it's no. just in the in Tudor times, men would like wear sort of pretend willies to make themselves look. There's no other way cool. to put it. I wish I had them now. Yeah. Uh, Cameo, the band Cameo that did the original word up, he had a big red cod. Yeah, piece. a massive cod. He, piece, he's yeah. on the top of the pops. So I, had to, my, I had to get my nan to explain what it was. She wasn't very happy about it. Gareth Jackson says the old west duster coats and hats that would pass on the spurs. I'd likely do myself an injury. They had denim as well back then. Den and Denim making another appearance in our podcast. It, it, it pops up every week, doesn't it, Denim? Andy, what uh, period did you go back to? Let me think. Do you know what? I, I love a tunic. I absolutely love the idea of a tunic. I'd love to go back to maybe medieval times and have just yeah. uh, a tunic's two cake. <laughs> it's tunic. That's a terrible. That's a terrible that joke. That's such a dad joke. Isn't you said bad? tunic. You said it's a tunic. It's not tunic. It's a tunic. Tunic. Thanks, Jess. Look, <laughs> let's let people decide. If you've listened to this point in the podcast, just. Let us know, in terms of feedback, what you think about Brian's joke there. Has it got any place in this podcast? Does it derail what we're talking about? That board game thing to get involved. Can I just jump in? Because I've been thinking about this long and hard, right? I would love to go back to medieval times. 
I, when we used to, when we watch historical fiction, I always say to my wife, please, can you get me a pair of pantaloons and like a man's puffy blouse? Yeah. And I, do you know, I really love those things that peasants always wear in the Middle Ages. They're like a, if you imagine like a, they're sort of like the hats that Russian cosmonauts would wear. Oh, a little like tubey f- bit on the top. No, like no, no, like a, like a, like a beanie, but with two ear yeah. things hanging yes. down. Yeah, love those, love those, and a ca- I love a cape. It's kind of Wolf Hall chic. You'd be rocking. Yeah, a bit of Wolf Hall chic. But what about all the bad stuff, like you know the beheadings and all that? Oh, that's the good stuff. I love all that. Love all <laughs> well, you, you'd be in the town square, like I'd also go, her, I'd also go back and go. Her. I go back and I go, lads, lads, and ladettes. Um <laughs> Here's a thing. Here's a thing. If you wash your hands. Right, literally ten percent less of you will die. Just all you got to do is wash your hands. Oh, just, they are not going to take that. They're going to be like, "Shut up, Brian. He's always going on about something." They're not going to listen. Hygiene, this hygiene. You get burned at the stake for that kind of thing. And it's worth pointing out, uh, just you know, before we get to controlling Jess's life with the power of a dice, there are some board games out there which deal with you know weird stuff. There, I think there's a. It's a question worth asking: whether is it right to have all bits of history in board games like brian and i had an interesting scenario one of our friends pete when we played black orchestra uh, which is the uh, board game about uh, the operation valkyrie to kill hitler uh, and obviously the board game is you, you play one of these kind of uh, uh, members of the high-ranking german military that are moving around the map avoiding getting caught but trying to plot to kill hitler at the same time uh, obviously auschwitz is in there as, as a place on the map and, and Pete, whose family are Jewish and obviously, you know, have obviously entwined with this history and everything as well, was obviously a little bit kind of like, is that an all right thing to have in a board game? Do you know what I mean? And there's a very good point. It's like whether you, mm. board games can open the door to certain bits of history and, and increase your understanding. But at the same time, you run the risk of it being a point on a, on a map which you can roll a dice and move to which is quite weird. There's a couple of other games that deal with difficult subjects. Uh, a company called Holland Spiel make uh, a game called This Guilty Land, which is uh, the battle to try and uh, keep slavery going in America. One person plays uh, oh, people trying to you know, keep slavery a thing. The other people are trying to get rid of it. But it's really interesting because, again, it's some of the major characters and players that try to you know, block it getting through Congress, uh, getting rid of slavery, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And also one of my favourite board games of all time, uh, Labyrinth, The War on Terror, made by Volker Runke. I mentioned him a bit earlier on by GMT Games. And that is about the war on terror. So one player plays as the uh, America trying to, you know, stamp it out of this kind of whack-a-mole across the Middle East. And then you've got uh, the other players playing as the you know, jihadi, you know, trying to pop up uh, cells in different countries and, and enact terrorist attacks, which, again, some people might find that quite difficult or a struggle. Well, I think I think if it's doing it, in an educational way, and it's doing it not to titillate and yeah. to just, mm. just for entertainment saying, I think you can actually learn stuff about it because one of the things you fail to learn about, like things like the war on terror is, you don't have to sympathise with terrorists, but you it would be it would be a lot better if we could understand why they're motivated to do things like yeah. this. So it probably can be quite a good thing. Absolutely. Well, try that out. You can, they, they've just had the new edition of it out as well with an expansion with some cards because at one point it was only up to a certain point. I think the game starts at the attacks on 9-11, but they've got a new... Uh, I think called Awakening, which is about the Arab Spring and all that kind of stuff for Labyrinth, War and Terror. Check it out. You can get it on Zatu's website. Jess, it's that time again. Last week we were reading your tarot cards. Now we're going back to the good old-fashioned six-sided dice. It's time to control your life through the power of chance. Okay, so this week, you know I told you guys that I put up my Christmas tree um, like a couple like a couple weeks ago or something? Yeah. Well, 
when we put it up, what I didn't tell you is that my housemate has got a very strict rule that we're only allowed gold decorations. The more the I hear about your housemate, the more I hear about this person. Oh, he's hard work, man. The less I like them. He does. He sounds he, terrible. He sounds. He's just. Terrible. He's just hard work, you know. Anyway. So we only allowed gold decorations on the tree. And so it's decorated and it just looks crap. Like there's only two sets of lights on there. The bottom of the tree is in darkness. It just looks sparse. It looks like a Christmas tree that's been knocked over by a cat and then you've put it back up and left half of the decorations (laughs) off. Like it just looks horrendous. So in our house, we have a bag full of Christmas decorations, full, but they're not gold. So he looks like... I don't want gold, not gold decorations on the tree. Yeah, yeah. So I, I need to get my Christmas vibe on, right? Right. And it's killing my vibe. Right. So I don't know what to do, how to get the decorations on the tree, whether I do it, whether I don't, because it's going to cause a bit of an argument. But I just think, for Christmas sake, do I just do it? If in so doubt, roll go- a dice. Roll a dice and sort it yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. So if hopefully you guys can help me out. Ro- exactly. Just roll, roll with it. it. Exactly. Well, f- first things first. He only has gold decorations. What is he, Elton John? Yeah. I know. Why? Oh, no. Oh, no. Hold on a minute. I bought the decorations. Me. So but, yeah, he's, but he, he, but he only wants gold ones, is what I'm saying. Yeah, because it has to be a theme. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Say, say to him from us and this whole, the team that made this podcast, who are you, Elton John? Yeah. <laughs> also, you, you watch one episode of, what is it? Is it Queer Eye for the Straight, straight Guy? No, yeah. it's just called Queer Eye. It's just called Queer, queer Eye Just now. called Queer Eye. Very good used to, Did it used to be called Queer Eye? It did, yes. Yeah. It yeah, used yeah, to yeah. be Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Um, uh, you watch one episode of that, you think you're an interior designer, do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shut yeah, up. Shut up. Say that he word does. for word. Do you know Thomas. what? He does. He quotes from Queer Eye and he goes, you have to have a statement piece. You have oh to have God. a statement piece. No, he is right there, though. You do need to have a oh, statement what? piece. I do yeah. agree with him on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. fair, but come on. Let's help Jess out. Let's help Okay, her out Jess, I've got, got some options for you. got some options for you. As, okay. as ever, one to two is the, is, the, uh, is the safe option. Three to four... Uh, you're getting a bit more racy, and five and six are the nuclear, nuclear options. Right. Okay, yeah. One to two. What you got here is you got an EU style stalemate, right? Just like the EU and the and the UK uh, coming to a bit of a stalemate now when it comes to the the deal, no or no deal Brexit, right? Just need no decorations at all. Just agree to disagree. And it? I also think that's very apt for 2020, isn't it? Yeah. Like a, a, yeah. a sparse Christmas tree in the corner, looking sad with no lights or decorations. A so tree, right? tree with nothing on it. You're saying. Yeah, true, okay. nothing on right. it. Okay. Yeah. So if he, if you can't enjoy it, he can't yeah, enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yes. he's miserable, they're not going to take our fish. They're not going to take our fish. British fish. Brian, they're, they're going to sort the fish out. All right, we'll get it Don't sorted. Worry. I'll go to war for those fish. Look, look, we've got our war chips out there. That's what we're paying our taxes for. Is sending mm. out uh, battleships to protect. If fish. I see a cod and it looks Norwegian, I'm going to shoot all it. Right, all right, mate. <laughs> Sorry, right. sorry. I, we shouldn't have let that come into yeah, it's fine, it's fine. So you, three, to three to four. Three to four. Three to four. Yeah. Half and half, right? Half and half. Oh, one side. Yeah. You do one side, he does that. It's like when you get a Domino's pizza. When you get a pizza, you can't decide. One of you has uh, pepperoni, the other you has anchovies and ham, pineapple. <laughs> or well, you can split a pizza. You can split a pizza. I didn't you know, know that. that. You can't split a pizza. <laughs> oh, you that? I've never you... split a pizza in my life. Uh, all right, granddad. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. You didn't know you could do half and half pizza. No, no, no. Bush, you're about to have the best Saturday night of your life. That is. Go text Katie and tell her. We'll do it. We're sorting it out. That is amazing. That. Did you? Are you? Are you putting this on for a joke? Honest to God, I thought you just had to go with your own, your own pizza. How can they do it in half though? How does it even work? How do they do it in half? Just that half. 
it's one half pepperoni, the other half ham. Are you okay? It's not like it's not like physics. It's not they haven't got a team of scientists trying to work at the CERN uh, nuclear reactor trying to work out the collider, what's going on. I'm not going to believe put it. Pepperoni on one side, ham and pineapple on the other. I'm not going to believe it till I see it. Sorry, sorry. Anyway, anyway. Oh my God. Number five, a little bit of a challenge for you. Uh, you both go to Poundland. Uh, you both get five pounds. Do a little trolley dash. Right. Whoever can get the most decorations for five pound gets to decorate the tree with their decorations. Like it? Okay, I like that a lot. And then the sixth option is no, throw all the decorations out, right? Yeah. Get toilet roll and cook some spaghetti and put that on the tree and say, "How do you like that? How do you like that? Is that gold enough for you?" I like um, this. There's your work. options. Could okay, work. Jess, how are you feeling? Ready to roll this dice? Yeah, a bit nervous. This is going to require a lot of physical work for me, so hoping for... Oh, I'm sorry, Jess, to oh. put you to trouble. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I've got a busy life watching the Kardashians. Let's roll that dice and find out what Jess is going to do. Ooh, it's a six. Yes, please. Oh, God. The nuclear yes, option. Toilet roll. Brian did nuclear war during Twilight Struggle. Now it's the nuclear option on controlling Jess's life. What an explosive episode this has been. That's the end of another episode. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe, download, leave us a little review as well. We'll do some shout-outs next week as well. Uh, check out all of the games we've been banging on about tonight uh, on the Zatu website. You can get them there for dirt cheap compared to everywhere else. Just before we go, uh, quickly, if anyone from Reading University is listening, uh, I've not been invited back to speak at Reading as, as a member of the alumni. Uh, all you ever do is just send me weird offers for credit cards. I'm not interested. I'm not going to buy your credit. I'm not going to get your Reading University branded credit card. But I am available to speak Please. to some of the students if you want me to. Please just stop this. Stop. I can't make him stop. This is Board Game Thing. Have an amazing week. We'll see you same time next week. Mm-hmm.